So welcome to the CRE Advantage. We have with us Mr. Chris Hearn today. Chris, uh, thank you for making some time available to uh, join us. Um, Chris is with the Fountainhead Commercial Capital, and uh, I've known Chris and have worked around him for a few years. Uh, so uh, he's a very innovative guy when it comes to the commercial real estate space. So I think you guys are going to find this uh, interview today very, very interesting um, with regards to what they're able to do and what they've done in the past. Uh, but before we get into our podcast, I um, want to uh, just, again, thank our audience for taking some time to join us today. Uh, we'd like for you to like our, our podcast. Uh, that shows that we have support for what we're doing and that the information we're providing is good. Uh, we certainly want to uh, uh, invite you to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, by subscribing to the podcast, it, it just kind of supports us and shows that the information that we're providing is uh, helpful to our audience. Uh, so with that being said, uh, let's uh, begin our discussion with, uh, with Chris. So uh, to give you a little bit of background uh, on Chris, uh, Chris is um, the CEO of Fountainhead Commercial Capital. Uh, they are a nationwide non-bank direct commercial lending firm. Now that's interesting because uh, a lot of people are not aware that there are a such thing as a non-bank lender. But uh, as we know, Chris, there, there's a whole universe of folks like uh, you and me. Uh, our money comes from non-bank sources. Uh, we're able to put that money to work uh, in the commercial real estate space. Uh, Chris founded this firm in 2014 uh, the firm specializes in funding commercial real estate projects and providing growth financing uh, for business owners. Uh, they were recently known, uh, I'm sorry, named as uh, on the uh, uh, list of five, only 5,000 list of fastest growing companies in America um, and the ninth fastest firm in greater Orlando. Congratulations. That's quite a feat. Thanks. Um, yeah, and so Fountainhead's executive team collectively have closed over $23 billion worth of small to mid-sized uh, uh, commercial loan transactions, correct? Yep. Yeah, that, that's uh, quite a background and quite a history. Uh, Chris's personal background is he's closed over 630 transactions valued at $1.56 billion. That's a lot. Um, he used to be with Mercantile uh, Capital Corporation. I think that's when you and I first met. Uh, you were at Mercantile. Um, he's held various industry leadership positions. Uh, he worked with uh, GE Capital, Heller Financial, Marsh and uh, McLeeman companies. He was a CFO for the NAI uh, Real Best Group of companies. Uh, so quite an extensive uh, background. He's very active uh, with uh, advocacy. Uh, he's uh, worked with U.S. Senate committees on small business and entrepreneurship. Uh, and uh, I think you were involved in helping get the uh, 504 first mortgage refinance deal. We were trying to get it extended. And a lot of people don't know uh, how that impacted our economy. Uh, but that was a program for at least, you know, we want to say two years, but really it was a year and a half because they couldn't figure out the rules. That's right. <laughs> that that That's really, right. really uh, helped small businesses. Right. Um, he's a participation on the U.S. House of Representatives for Small Business Committee. 
Uh, Chris is also the co-founder of Kennedy's All-American Barber Club and Upscale Kennedy's it, uh, or Upscale, I guess I'm reading, so they're, they're not, okay. there's not a period here. So. <laughs> um, so Kennedy's is an upscale franchise barbershop concept that offers um, the finest haircuts for men. Well, that, that's that's quite a claim. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, and you're currently franchising Kennedy's nationwide, 17 clubs open in Connecticut, Florida, Massachusetts, and New Jersey. You're quite busy, Chris. Um, you got <laughs> yes. a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. I don't do a lot day-to-day in Kennedy's anymore, but, yeah, it was uh, – I've financed so many franchises that I like. I like being a, a franchisor, that part of the business model. So that's why we launched Candies. And it's, okay. It's cool. well for us. Yeah. Well, that's very good. Well, that's uh, that's quite interesting. So again, thank you for joining us. It's it's our uh, privilege and honor uh, to have you on the platform. I think as we go through and we talk about some of the things as it relates to uh, small business lending, uh, you're going to be able to provide a lot of insight. Um, but Tell us about Fountainhead. Give us, you know, what's your elevator pitch for Fountainhead and, and how does it add value to the small business commercial real estate borrower? Well, I mean, you, you kind of already addressed it, Charles, a little bit. I mean, we're a, we're a nationwide non-bank lender. Mm-hmm. Um, so we like to work with business owners, uh, small to mid-sized companies. And uh, we love to help them create wealth by owning their commercial real estate, the, you know, the place where their business uh, resides. And I've been doing this for over 20 years now. Um, I think some of those stats were a little dated. I think I've personally approved about two and a half billion worth of real estate projects now myself and closed them. And uh, it's just, we're just very passionate about doing this. We only have three products, which is the 504 that you alluded to. We have a conventional loan product and we actually are one of only 14 non-bank lenders in the U.S. that are licensed by the U.S. government to issue 7A loans as well. Only eight of us are actually for-profit institutions. So um, why do we do what we do? We, we just, we love to help business owners. That's, that's our passion. We, we want to help build businesses. We want to help create wealth for them. Uh, we like the prosperity that comes out of what we do and, and helping, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial community. And uh, it's just, it's just a lot of fun what we do. And, and we don't approach things like a bank. I think that's the most important thing is as a non-bank, we, we hustle and uh, we don't, you know, we don't want to, as I was, I was telling somebody about before I got on this, uh, he's coming out of a bank and he's now going to be a loan broker. And I said, well, the first thing you got to do is change your mindset about how things have operated historically. I said, it's not about activity. It's about the right activity, but it's really about results. I said, you know, stuff in a pipeline to keep your job is not something that works here at Fountainhead and nor does it work at most uh, small to mid-sized companies. At banks, yes, that works. That's what a lot of them do, but that's not terribly effective. And and we want to make sure that uh, when we're looking at a deal, we want to make sure we can figure out a way to get it done and to get it closed and because that's when we make money and that's when we can help our business owner clients. Yeah. So you would say that there's probably when, when you're working with a non-bank lender, um, there's a greater motivation, um, you know, on your side as the lender to make sure that transaction gets closed as, as opposed to exactly. a bank, right? Yeah, yeah especially, especially because we only have three products. 
you know, I mean, we can't, we can't really rest on our laurels and, and just continue to nickel and dime somebody with fees on a, you know, cause I have their, their business checking account or I've got a line of credit out to them or, or, you know, the other 45 different types of banking products and services they might be offering. Mm-hmm. We're just all about what we do. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we don't make anything until until a deal happens. So yeah, I'd, I'd say we're we're highly motivated compared to those folks. Um, we don't have branches uh, that we can rely upon uh, possibly business coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're a we're a lean mean machine, and and we just you know we're uh, there's now 33 of us working at the Fountainhead companies, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's just you know I think there's uh, there's a lot of a lot of power can come from focus. You know, that's, we don't try to be all things to all people. We know our niche and we try to stay in our lane and, and do it better than anybody. And I think we do do it better than anybody. So yeah. a lot of bankers, they want to do everything. You know, the, the best client they can get is somebody they can uh, vertically integrate and, and try to throw everything in the kitchen sink at them and get as much business from them as possible. That might work from time to time, but uh, that doesn't make you an expert at what you do. Yeah. So now you mentioned something very interesting. You, you talked about your niche. Now, mm-hmm. In the world of commercial real estate finance, uh, even on the small business lending side, uh, yeah. it, it can be very broad sometimes. When you think about uh, the uh, various asset types, uh, sure. customer types, uh, what would you say your niche is for Fountainhead? What, what's the thing that you guys are really, really good at? Um, we, we're really, really good at financing owner-occupied, owner-operated commercial real estate. Okay. So, that's it. That's your uh, focus. That's my focus. If somebody wants me to finance a, a fourplex, that's not what we do. Right. Uh, somebody wants us to do a multi, you know, multifamily apartment complex, not what we do. Somebody mm-hmm. wants us to do a, you know, a, a investment property. It's got multiple tenants, like a strip center or something like that. Probably mm-hmm. not what we do. If they want us to finance a freestanding office building, that's going to be simple majority occupied by the business that's what we do. If they want us to finance a, you know, office warehouse, mm-hmm. a commercial condo, a flagged hotel, franchise restaurant, all those types of things, daycares, that's the types of stuff that we like to finance. And we mm-hmm. do a lot. Yeah. Now, so when, so now when that client, that owner occupied client, mm-hmm. uh, he's looking to finance or refinance uh, his property. Um, he, he's trying to make a choice between uh, the bank that holds his deposits and right. making a choice uh, to go with Fountainhead. Uh, right. What would you say would be the key advantage uh, to making that choice to go with Fountainhead as opposed to working with the bank? Well, it's, it's really three things, Charles. It's uh, I call them the three S's, speed, service, and specialization. So no bank can move as fast as we do. Oftentimes, we are actually approving transactions in under a day. A lot of our competitors take two to three weeks to get to the same point we're at in a day. So that's the first thing. Service, as we've already addressed, I mean, we, we hustle. We're pretty fanatical about our follow-up and our, and our service. Um, I kind of joke sometimes, if you, if you call your bank, you know, you got to wait two or three days maybe for them to call you back. Right. Uh, you don't have those issues with us. Right. So, and, and then the last is specialization. I mean, I think um, with the SBA 504 product or the SBA 7A product, both of which we typically finance 90% loan to cost mm-hmm. uh, for a business owner, that's a, that's a lot better uh, stewardship of their capital than lowering the risk on the bank by putting 20 or 25% down, which is what most banks will require when they finance something conventionally. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, there's most borrowers get it now post recession, you know, we're 10 years on and they understand how precious their capital is and they, they probably should preserve it as much as possible. So, you know, the risk, risk is on a spectrum, right? It's, uh, you know, if, if you put more down because the bank asks you to put more down, it lowers the bank's risk, but it probably raises the risk on the business owner. And so we try not to do that. We don't have products like that. Um, so, you know, that's why the SBA products tend to stand out. They are fundamentally better than most conventional banking products. Uh, when you look at the terms, the down payment, uh, you know, the monthly payment, because the amortizations tend to be a lot longer than what conventional banks will offer. So, so those are the big advantages. And then, and then because they're somewhat esoteric, you got to make sure you're working with somebody who actually knows the ins and outs of SBA lending, which is yeah, what you know, that, that's a point that uh, I think a lot of our, uh, perhaps uh, some in our audience may not recognize or realize, certainly borrowers don't. Uh, right. and you mentioned this, this is one of your S's, is special, specialization. Right. Now, they assume sometimes, and tell me if you think this is true, that a borrower uh, may assume that a banker is specialized, has specialized skills with mm -hmm. regard to SBA lending or commercial lending in general, just because they work at a bank. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People, people make that, they just make that assumption all the time. Right. But the problem is, as you and I both know, right. most bankers, most commercial bankers are probably juggling a dozen to several dozen different products and services that that bank offers. Right. You know, what's that old adage, uh, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what we're dealing with here. And, and, and you may not know this, but the, the SBA statistics on this last fiscal year, um, which ended, of course, back uh, at the end of September, only 14% of all banks and credit unions in the country actually made an SBA loan. I mean, I think that stat is staggering. That means 86% of banks and credit unions, so probably a lot of the ones that maybe some of the folks listening to this may go talk to, they don't have any expertise in SBA whatsoever. So they, right. they can't even spell SBA. So you probably shouldn't waste your time with that. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's like the old, uh, you know, the metaphor about or the analogy about, you know, would you go, you know, would you go to your family practitioner if you had needed brain surgery? Probably not. You're going to go to the neurosurgeon. You know, I mean, that's that's why that's why people specialize. That's why you go to people that are experts in what they do. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know that throughout my career, uh, it's, it's been uh, a bit of uh, that challenge. Uh, trying to shift the paradigm, if you will, right. of uh, some of our um, uh, customers who are so uh, bank-centric uh, to right. help them understand that they're going to get better quality of service, better types of capital, uh, right. working with uh, non-bank lending sources like uh, what we represent. Uh, right. Because of, it, because of the, uh, what you talked about was that specialization. Now, um, let me ask you this, okay? So we have this uh, typical small business borrower, right? Okay. Um, this guy, he's been renting for you know ten years. His business is okay. Uh, maybe stacked up a little bit of cash, um, you know, and uh, but his business is continuing to grow and it, it is pretty stable. Okay. Um, what would you? What advice would you give them in terms of leasing? versus owning? What, what are some of the practical things that you might say to them? Well, you said a couple things that I think are pretty key, which is he's got a fairly stable business. Right. Okay. 
That's the first thing. I mean, you probably don't want to contemplate converting a monthly lease payment into a monthly uh, mortgage payment if if your business isn't fairly stable. Okay, right. because yeah. I mean, when you first start out, the reason why people go and they lease a facility is because it offers them the most flexibility, right? right. They can get in pretty quickly. They can get out. They've only got so many you know months or years left in the lease, that type of thing. But once you've proven yourself as a business owner in your respective market, um, it pains me greatly, Charles, to hear somebody who might have been renting for 10 plus years. You know how much that could have contributed to their net worth had they at some point, maybe in year four or five, had decided to go ahead and buy commercial real estate. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable. And I get that question. I do a lot of speaking as I think, you know, a lot of conferences around the country and people come up to me all the time and sometimes very sheepishly. I remember one time at a daycare conference, this lady came up to me and she, she'd operated this daycare for eight years and she's like, and, and we're doing well and, and making good money. She's like, this is how much, uh, I can't remember how much she was paying per month, but she's like, what, what kind what, how big of a, of a building would that get me? And I did the math and told her, and I mean, you know, she, she was, she was stunned. I mean, but, but that's, that's why it's important to think about this and get this message out because the typical business owner, if they've achieved that point where their business is, is fairly proven, um, you know, and, and they don't have to be growing 30, 50, hundred percent a year, year over year. But if, even if they're just stable, a lot of times they can actually rent, uh, excuse me, you can buy for far cheaper than they can continue. Right. Right. And that's what most of them will say is they, they, you know, when they start discussing something like this with me or with a commercial real estate broker and start looking at properties, a lot of them sort of, they're coming from the place of, well, this is, you know, I spend $10,000 a month right now. And I've done that for the last four and a half years. Well, that gives us as a lender a basis for, okay, so let me see what I can do for you to mm -hmm. meet your square footage needs, your property type needs, you know, that that's within that realm. And oftentimes they can, they can just, it's, it shocks them how much they can do by owning instead of leasing. And at that point, you know, the, the, the whole point of this is the business owner is probably one day going to either shut down their business or they're going to sell their business. Right. Okay. So if you have to have a facility because that's where your clients or your patients see you, you have to have one fundamentally, then the faster you can make this move to owning versus leasing, the quicker you can start building up equity and an appreciable asset. And you'll actually have this by the time you decide to sell your business or shut it down one day. It, to me, it's, you know, there's a very few business owners actually have saved much for retirement. And this is a really simple strategy to do that because everybody's going to want to shut their business down or, or, or sell it one day. And now you've just got another bite at the apple. You know, now you get another asset, which is the real estate that you had to have anyway. Otherwise you're just making your landlord wealthy. That's really, that's the alternative, which, yeah. you know, you want to make your landlord wealthy. That's great. But I think there's a better way. And I think most business owners can be their own landlord and actually, you know, create something of value uh, for the, for the duration of their business. You know, there's so much that we can educate our audience about uh, with regards to the mechanics of SBA lending, what's available, uh, what type of structures we can put together uh, for, for their benefit. And maybe the next time we get together, we can go into detail about that. That that be fair? I'd love, love to do it with you. Absolutely. All right. It's fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And uh, certainly you guys enjoy your day wherever you are. What part of the country you're in? 
We're uh, we're on the northeast side of Orlando. We're in Lake Mary, which is a north uh, Orlando suburb. Okay, perfect, perfect. Well, enjoy the weather out there, and uh, we're here. It's a little in cold today. We got we got sweaters on. Yeah, right, right, right. Sixty-eight. You know, that's that's a little cold for us. Right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being our guest, and we certainly look forward to having you on the program again. I appreciate that, Charles. Thanks. Thank you.